Hello, everybody, and welcome back to a very special episode of Awkward Silences. Today, we're here with Roberta. Hello, Roberta. Hello, hello. Good to be here again. I've got JH here, too. Yeah, I use one of those uh, AI things to write on my lines so you can see. <laughs> he's not, is he here? Is he not? not? We don't know. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, impossible to say. And today, we're going to talk about our fourth annual UX research tools map, which we're very excited to have out into the wild. And let's jump right into it. That's your cue, Roberta. Oh, sorry. (laughs) Cool. Yeah, super excited about this year's tools map. It's kind of really one of those moments when it's super meta because I always would wait for the tools map to come out every single year. It's funny, I actually was looking at my Twitter uh, the other day and I saw like, I think it would have been like 2021. I, before I came to the mm-hmm. team, I was like, oh, it's the best time of the year. The tools maps like coming out. And then it's my first time working on it with the team this year. Uh, really excited to be involved this time around. Awesome. Yeah. So so this year, this is our fourth one, maybe just for a very quick history lesson. So the, the first one, I think I give Dennis some credit here. He was like, you know, you know, those things with all the tools on the the map, the loom escape, we should do one of those. It's like, cool, cool. I'm with you. Uh, let's do it. How can we make it like different and better and, and ours? And that's kind of the kernel of the idea the tools map came from. Um, and for me, the thing I was always really convicted to was that a tool could belong to multiple categories. I think mm-hmm. the thing that has always bugged me with those things is everybody gets shoved into a box, like literally you're just put <laughs> into a box and like, forget about whether the boxes are the right boxes or not. You know, you've got IA issues from the beginning. You know, inevitably, you end up in a box. You're like, I guess if you have to put me somewhere, but really, I belong in multiple. And from a user's perspective, when you're shopping for a tool, often you it wanted to do multiple things for you, multiple mm-hmm. use cases, and to not be able to see them all at once, just not very usable situation. So this is how we ended up with the subway map to begin with. Uh, did kind of three years of the subway map, you know, obviously adding more tools, fine tuning the different lines and categories. Last year, we had a real designer, Holly, to make it look super dope. <laughs> and then come to this year, we're like, okay, you know, this landscape is getting bigger and bigger every year. There are more and more tools. How do we add more tools while making the thing remain usable? And maybe this is also an opportunity to play with the trope of the the subway map and you know make a new theme. And so so this is how this was born. We have this medieval theme which is very much uh the creation of Katrina who literally has I think a masters in medieval history. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so not not an accident there. And yeah, we're able to to keep the multiple category requirement but do it in a totally different way and with this this new theme and the response has been really great so far so it's been fun yeah it's it's super cool so if anyone listening has not seen it go check it out i've actually been pretty removed from it so roberta aaron you know you all more in the mix here so i'm curious as we look to evolve in the fourth year beyond the subway map once we came up with this idea did it click right away like that's it or were there a lot of like ideation or ideas left on the floor to to get here 
There's definitely a lot of ideation. Like Erin mentioned, Katrina really, this is her brainchild that she worked on. I remember when we were in the first kickoff call, I was like telling her about how I've been watching the Amazon reboot of like Lord of the Rings. And then we kind of went down down from there. It's really interesting though, because we hear when we do research internally as well from customers all the time that about how many tools they're juggling. And we tried to map it out on the research team, how many tools we hear within a like particular study and it could be anywhere from like 20 to 30 tools and then we zoom out now and we look at the map and it makes sense yeah we're hearing around 30 tools every single time we do interviews because we're hearing over 230 tools when we put together a map it's a lot that we're juggling and even internally we're juggling a lot of tools as well when we're working on projects too so it's been a kind of evolution over the last few months uh, well, so yeah, tell us a little bit about, you said 20 or 30 tools. I think if you really sit down and think about how many tools you're using, 30 is less than it sounds like maybe, right? Like we're, how many are we using right now just to have this call? Mm-hmm. Um, oh forget gosh. about the hardware, right? We've got, depends on how, you know, how much you want to really include everything, but I've got like Chrome, I've got, right? Like uh, yeah, Zencaster, Zencaster. Docs, I've got Slope over, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. so you get to 30 pretty quickly, but maybe... Yeah. You could tell us just a little bit for folks who might be interested about some of the tools we really rely on in our UX research stack. Yeah, it's funny. I was like counting earlier. It's about 30. So it makes sense. We have everything from tools that we use for like planning. We use Asana internally when we're like planning studies or scoping. We have passive insights tools. So things like Google Google Analytics, Zendesk, Mixpanel mode. We use user interviews for recruitment. We use uh, Recruit and Research Hub. And that's an initiative we've been focusing on a ton the later half of this year. We have over like four or five different survey tools that we use, SurveyMonkey, Autopilot. And then to pull everything together, because we have all these different tools, we have tons of insights tools. So we use Google Sheets, Drive, EnjoyHQ. We we even use Notion write-ups for summaries from the product teams. And then my favorite, I'm a Miro fangirl, everyone knows that. So when we're actually analyzing, synthesizing uh, insights, we use everything from Miro to Google Sheets to do that. And there's a lot, there's even like Zoom if we're doing async or maze, if we're doing concept testing or usability testing. So there's a lot involved when you really sit down and think about it and look at everything. Yeah. It, so if I'm somebody who's like, all right, this map is really cool. I like it. I'm mm-hmm. into the nerdery of you know medieval stuff. What's the best way to actually make use of it? So like once you've had the initial shock and like awe value, <laughs> this is really cool. Is it that you need you know a tool in each kind of quadrant or realm or whatever we're calling these things? Or is it more to is like a discovery mechanism? I didn't know that tool existed. Mm-hmm. I didn't know there's a tool for that. Like, how do you think research teams can best leverage it? I think it's kind of all of the above. Initially, like when you if you're a leader building a team, I think having the lay of the land and seeing what tools are out there very helpful. You're building a team from scratch, you can get kind of like acclimated as to what tools are in which buckets. Cause when you're on a team, you're usually using a particular stack. So there's no way that you'll be able to touch all of these tools. If you want to narrow down in, fill in the gaps of specific tools, you can kind of search and discover, really love the search feature in the tool. And you can also just go to like each little land and say, all right, do I have my tool needs met here, here, here? 
as I was building the team at user interviews, that's what I did. I went like category by category to kind of fill in the need. There were certain tools I didn't need to purchase because we were already using them. But in the kind of lands we didn't have filled, I would go through and I actually looked at the tools map at that point to see what's out there. What is everyone else using to kind of stay up to date and then identify the needs. So yeah. Yeah, you know, our our hunch is heading into the economic climate we're in. A lot of folks listening uh, or not listening, just folks are thinking about their stacks and their budgets and how do I reduce the number of tools that I'm using to save budget, just anything I can do to maximize certainly the ROI, but also, you know, to reduce the costs. And I think the direction a lot of folks go is, you know, to focus on more of an all-in-one so you can reduce the number of tools, you know, the idea being fewer tools, fewer dollars, saving money. But a lot of times those all-in-one tools can be very, very expensive and kind of come with maybe some features you aren't really using and might seem like a bargain and might not be. So, you know, we hope that the map can also be useful for folks to really figure out what's actually going to give you the coverage that you need, where your focus, where your team is, where you want your team to be next year. And are you actually better off with maybe three or four tools that are interoperable, that talk to each other, that work well together, but that might save you a lot of money instead of just one tool. So I think, you know, really think about, it's not the number of tools you have, it's about Mm -hmm. avoiding unnecessary overlap. So you're paying twice for the same functionality. No one wants to do that. And just, you know, making sure you have the best tool for the things that are most important to your business. Of course, I wouldn't be doing user interviews justice Mm -hmm. if I didn't mention that quality participants should always be important to you. Yeah. What's nice when you do go the more, you know, kind of curated charcuterie board of uh, tools is (laughs) if you realize you're not using a tool, it's easier to remove it, right? With an all-in-one tool, you are a little bit more locked in and it's hard to go maybe adjust your contract or terms to, to change that. Whereas, you know, we have five or six different testing tools for all these methodologies. The team is really rarely using this one. We're not getting value from it. Like you can just kind of turn that off and and Mm -hmm. without disrupting the other stuff that you're doing, which is a nice benefit. Yeah. And we obviously really think about ourselves as being a foundational piece of that participant management, participant recruiting side of things. And, you know, we've talked about this at length that participants are really important to research as you were referencing, Aaron, uh, we're on the user zoom podcast, ranting and raving about this, but, uh, we do think that that stuff, that's one where it's hard when it gets siloed. If, you know, if you have a contact with Roberta in one tool and then a contact with Roberta in another tool, you can't really keep track of that. So we do actually think that the centralization and all in one on the participant side can be really valuable. But when it comes to methodologies and, and some of the other tools, choosing the solution that's best in, in breed is, is can be a nice kind of complement to that. Yeah, I can't really echo that enough because it's really hard to be a master of every single tool when it comes to methods. You're you're giving a trade-off somehow to the either participant experience or researcher experience when you're aggregating the tools for like all-in-one solutions. And so that's why we've kind of built our own stack internally to be really what's the best tool that meets our needs for this particular method? And then starting, of course, with user interviews for the recruitment. And then the integrations make it really seamless on that side as well. Roberta, what uh, what tools have you been excited about this year? Either new ones you've tried for the first time or new use cases for existing tools, new cocktails, oh, combinations yeah. <laughs> of tools for 
different methods yeah yeah i have been really loving when i joined the team we already had a contract with grain uh which is like a video recording uh software and they do transcriptions super easy and seamless and it's just internally our team uses it all the time so that's been really cool to see and then we've started we rolled out enjoy hq earlier this year for insight sharing insights management and so that's been really great to aggregate kind of passive insights from zendesk we have active notes from interviews in there too. I think that's kind of like what I get really excited about for the future of our space. Of course, user interviews and like, how are we iterating on our product? But insight sharing and how do you share the knowledge that you're gathering from these sessions, whether it's surveys or interviews, that's where the knowledge lives. And the idea that maybe there's machine learning to help you with coding and stuff like that to make our lives as researchers kind of easier as well. That's where I think kind of the next experimentation and the next rise of tools are going to be happening in the future as well. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, great. I, I know uh, the product team's been really active in building out integrations this year. Uh, how do you see that fitting into sort of the different areas of the tools map and, you know, how we're thinking about the landscape and connecting these different areas together. Yeah, I mean, we put a lot of thought and effort into, you know, prioritizing what tools we're going to integrate with, because we want to add the most value for our users. So it's a mix of, you know, which tools are people using a lot and getting a lot of value from and making sure those play nicely with UI. So there's a lot of intention there. And then also, you know, what tools are kind of emergent or coming onto the scene and, and looking really exciting for folks. So you know, I think we've been really excited to partner with Sprig. Their concept testing stuff that's coming seems really cool. I'm excited for folks to get their hands on that. The survey tools have been really powerful. It just takes like a lot of the effort and time out. I, I know um, Paulo, one of our PMs who's been leading the integration strategy, has like a very real example of talking to a researcher who, you know, manually was collating like who they tracked in user interviews with a survey tool and probably spent around like honestly 10 hours on it and something now they can do in like 10 minutes with the integration. So we're really excited about that. And then I think as we get into 2023, we're going to continue to make it really easy for tools to build into us. So we've been doing a lot of the early integrations through some tight partnerships with these tools, and that's been really fun. But one thing we do want to open up is if you're a new tool and you're trying to drive some awareness to your tool and get it in front of people, you know, build it into user interviews yourself and, and let researchers kind of discover it that way. So that's something that'll be easier and easier for teams to do. So um, if that's something that's interesting to folks, uh, you should reach out to us. We'd love to you know get you on the early wave of that. Thinking of all the map analogies here. It's like we're building bridges to other <laughs> territories. Uh, well, of course, you have to build a nice competitive moat. <laughs> you're yeah, you're yeah. uh, going to think of all these uh, medieval drawbridge dragons. Yeah. Yeah, I know. And there's some tools I haven't played with yet that I hear a lot about. Like, I know we've been hearing about Alchemer more and more as one. Mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. There's some of these, I, you know, personally, as a product person, who likes playing with new tools. Uh, some of these I want to check out myself as well. Yeah, for sure. Since it is a map with lots of fun stuff on there, kind of what you were doing with the metaphors and everything, Aaron, did, did you all have any fun little details on here that were your favorites in terms of uh, like names or other little artifacts that stood out to you when you look at it? Well, there's so many fun Easter eggs that, you know, it's, you never know what people are going to grab onto when you launch something like this. Like, well, you hope that some of the obsession over details is noticed by, by a few. And I think the names of the little territories mm -hmm. have been... A source of a lot of fun for people. The what is it? The Imperial Walled City of end to end platforms is a personal favorite, or yeah. uh, G Dragon for Google. Yeah, there's a lot of fun. Oh, ones. nice. I don't think I saw yeah. that one. Yeah, yeah. 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 Microsoft and Google have their own little. 
yeah, yeah. I like the the transcription shire always sticks with yeah. me. Something about that that just feels like it could be a real place, sort of. It's like, I like it that. does. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I really like the eye. That's my favorite one. Mm-hmm. Um, that one's fun because it's it relates to the analytics. So yeah, it's cool. Yeah. Yeah, the names are cool. Cool. Well, uh, it's been it's been fun. Other thoughts, guys? Tools? I'll say any last Easter eggs or behind the scene things you can share about the map. I know it's a big effort. I'm sure there'd be fun little outtakes or stuff to share with people if uh, if you have any. Well, no, I just I would I want to definitely applaud uh, Katrina and Holly who worked incredibly hard to put this together. I think it's always really cool to you know do something if you stick with it year after year, whether on a continuous basis, like with a digital product or you know, on a once a year basis as with a PDF. I love to hate them, hate to love them. It's fun to stick with it and see it evolve and get better over time. And also to kind of pass off the reins for others to do better than maybe you did on your first go around and to to watch them kind of take off. So they did incredible work. So very proud of them and just want to give them a shout out for that. Yes, very well deserved. Yeah, I'm, uh, not to get ahead of myself, but I want to. I'm curious if we're going to double down on them. I know. Will it be what's next year? Right. Yeah, it's been funny to watch people. It's like Zelda-like. It's medieval. <laughs> it's fan. You know, it's kind of this pan fantasy sort of situation. So there's lots of directions you could go with it. Yeah, uh-huh. some people are saying maybe use it for like a D and D campaign, which is cool. Uh-huh. Um, a lot of things. requests for the physical version. Do you think we're going to get some exclusive merch someday? I don't know. I cannot confirm or deny these rumors. So we'll right. see. I think I think we need a printed version. I'm going to keep advocating for that, listeners. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, it's been fun. And if you're listening to this, stick around. We've got uh, end of year kind of trends, predictions, uh, trends, all that sort of fun stuff coming up in a few weeks with Roberta as well. So yeah, the look back for listening. Last year we did that. See. Yeah. Yeah. See right. we, we should do that. It's a good call. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> All right. Cool. Thanks, everybody. Yep. All right. Thanks.